the I didn't realize you liked me that way deal. Because it's one thing to receive McDonald's, but an entirely other thing to know that they woke up early to face the world and bring you McDonald's breakfast still hot in the bag. Appreciate you. There's a deal for every morning. Now grab two loaded sausage burritos for only three bucks. Prices and participation may vary. Single item at regular price. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Dunkin' Refreshers are the perfect way to get a little more out of your day. With more tropical flavors like new mango pineapple and more ways to get glowing. Available with green tea, coconut milk, or lemonade. You've got what you need to make the most out of every moment. Even the ones spent stuck in traffic. (sighs) What a beautiful day. Sip into all your favorite Dunkin' Refreshers, like new mango pineapple. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Additional charges may apply. this time of year, I hate to say that, and uh, it's a roll of the dice, it could very well have been here, or any place else along the southern coast, and, uh, you know, more and more it happens up further up north, but we're not discussing that today, I am talking about the Keys, we're in the Florida Keys, I'm a bartender, Keys, hence the name Keys Bartender Show, um, well, I'm not called Keys Bartender Company, it's actually because of my media group that managed the podcast for a while we changed the Florida Keys Bartender originally started out with Keys Bartender Live uh, because I did my live show and then um, I became the Keys Bartender podcast and then in order to help with the searches which I don't think there's a ton of searches but I guess if someone searches Florida Keys they want to they want to. Uh, they wanted it to show up in their search for a podcast. I'm talking about the management group, the uh, media consultant group that I'm currently still a part of the network. Um, they wanted to have Florida Keys in there, so they so they searches like that. And now I'm contemplating going back to Keys Bartender, but change is inevitable, and uh, we are always in a constant flux. And it, and uh, I just uh, remember going back to my ten year reunion in high school, and I it was a it was actually a, I think it was a big hullabaloo uh, kind of like twenty year it could have been a twenty year anniversary of the founding of the high school. It was a big Catholic girls and boys school. Uh, they were separated, so the Catholic boys in the, the high school, the boys on one side, girls on the other, separated by like accordion-type fence in the hallways. And 
years, I uh, was invited. I remember I was out with some friends, and someone mentioned that the anniversary was coming up, and they were having it, and they were having open bar and stuff like that. And tickets were like so ridiculously cheap. I think it was like twenty bucks at the time, or forty bucks, whatever it was. It was open bar and all that stuff, and they made it actually very inexpensive, and you get to go and see went to school with and even the people that graduated uh, 20 years before the women were still in their uh, I guess uh, late 30s so so everyone was still relatively young I was in my 20s and I remember distinctly the one person I remember and we're going to talk about memories and things like that today and if you're interested in calling this is live if there are any live listeners uh the, uh, the phone number is 407-392-4563. Remember, if you do call in, you're going to be live as soon as I pick up. I don't know necessarily if I'll hear it, though. Uh, is my Skype on? It is now, just to make sure that if it is ringing. So there was a friend of mine uh, through several years. He was a somewhat... I wouldn't call him an introvert, but he was an intelligent young man. I'll go by his first name, Brian. Uh, wasn't socially active, kind of socially awkward. Uh, he had uh, a pale, he was pale, uh, and uh, a, not, a nice guy, Brian. And at one point, I I had started high school, and I had been in more of the heads group. When I say heads group, it was guys that drank beer and smoked pot um, my freshman year. And then I slowly um, came to the conclusion that I wanted to go to college. And not that those guys didn't go to college and things like that, but the, the group of people I was hanging out with, that wasn't their goal. So, but I started moving to this other group, and it was groups that um, were involved with more of academic extracurricular activities and things like that. I had started out, I, I ran track, played a little football and things like that. And uh, as more I got in this group, I started hanging out with the smarter kids. And both groups were kind of, there was uh, one major characteristic. There weren't a lot of girls hanging with us until I got into my junior year. And I, I among my group, I was one of the few that actually was able to talk to girls and actually go on dates. And, but this one guy, Brian, who was the most insular of all, uh, he uh, he was in this, you know, he did well in the school. He was, his grades were probably the same or better than mine. I was up there. I, I ended up 15 out of 500. A couple times I was, you know, once or twice I ended up in the top five. Uh, but I didn't take the heavily weighted academic courses enough in order to get myself in the top 10. But, you know, 15 out of 500 is pretty good. I was president of National Honor Society. It was a big uh, group in my school, considering there were uh, 2,100 2, uh, uh, males in the school. And there was a mere uh, equivalent on the girl side. And But Brian, Brian didn't have a lot of friends, but he was... Uh, he hung out with us, and we, we did some extracurricular act, you know, activities, like they tried to put together some Dungeons and Dragons things and stuff 
guys were mainly, I wouldn't call them antisocial, they just weren't socially adept. But they were nice, very nice guys, as, as well as the other guys that were in sports and stuff like that. And I kind of hung around with, um, there was the theater crowd, there were the sports guys, uh, and stuff like that. So I was leaning heavily towards the academic, a little towards the sports, but Brian was way into the academic. One time, though, I'm at home, and I, I had a, uh, I was a senior year of high school, and I was working at a catering hall, and ever since my sophomore year, late sophomore year, I was a year older than everyone since I did, I think I, I did a repeat appearance in uh, second grade, so I was a year older. I had a car. My father got me a car when I was turned 16, ostensibly to drive my sister, who was a year older, to work, and my grandmother, she had me to go to the, to the store, so my dad didn't have to go back and forth. My grandmother, we lived with my grandmother, and uh, we didn't, uh, she didn't have a license, and my sister didn't either, and uh, for, for whatever reason it was. So one time I'm at home, and I get a phone call. Now, you remember, back in the, this is 1981. And it was a fall in 1981. It was the middle of the week. And Brian and his mother had been at the supermarket. And their car broke down. Or wouldn't start. I think I ended up uh, attempting to jump the car, if I can remember. We're going to talk about memory and things like that. But uh, I, I seem to remember that we couldn't get the car started. And I drove them home with their groceries. And since then, I was put on a kind of hero status with Brian. I guess I was a friend. He knew I had a car and called me up. And I, I showed up and, and I did that. We weren't that tight of friends. And then later on, I was invited. To, you know, He had parties and things like that. And I, I think uh, I went to one party and they watched uh, the Beatles. Uh, it was a, a, I guess it was the before video, but it was uh, was a VHS or a tape of the uh, Beatles, the one they play on the rooftop of a building, and it must have been for their White Album or their post-White Album or something like that, and I wasn't, you know, I digress, I'm remembering things as I, I'm saying them, but Brian also wrote a uh, gospel according to his last name, I don't want to say his last name because I I don't know if he wants to be reminded of, of a lot of the things, but there was they're not bad things. I just, you know, I did say he was somewhat socially not uh, socially awkward and things like that. You didn't see him being able to talk to girls, had a hard time making friends. So he wrote a gospel according to his nickname or his last name. He put it, but it was about me in the position. Of, it was a farce. It was me in the position of Christ, and it was written uh, in. Uh, you know, and my friends, my friends were kind of like the apostles. And it's kind of, I guess it was right after the life of Brian or right before the life of Brian. And they did that. My sister, I think she still has a copy of it or someone has a copy of it. Um, so years later, and then bring this conclusion, it was 10 minutes into the story. I go to this 20 year anniversary of my high school. And lo and behold, this guy, Brian, shows up. He's wearing a leather jacket. He doesn't. He, he looks a little more fit 
his hair's a little, and a little cooler, and he has a young girl with him, girl in her early 20s. And Brian is a adjunct professor at a university in chemistry. I think it was chemistry. And I'm assuming this was an undergrad he was with. But, you know, nowadays with the Me Too movement, I don't know if there was anything. But she looked like she was there on her own volition. And it turned out Brian had rode to the anniversary on a motorcycle. On a motorcycle. And in his 20 years in between, I had um, kind of meandered through life. Brian did pretty much what we thought he'd do, become an academic. But his personality changed. Because he, here he is with a woman. He's riding a motorcycle and things like that. Now, obviously, he's talking to different people. And Brian, these are my my friends in the academic circles were a lot of times there were people I had to kind of defend against the other groups. And Brian, 20 years later, wasn't, uh, wasn't when I was saying 20 years later, it wasn't 20 years later for Brian. Brian was, this would have been about 10 years later. It would have been in the early 90s, late 80s. So he was in his late 20s. You know, he's 27, 28. And uh, he, he changed. He changed. So, yeah, I mean, he wasn't the same person. But he was friendly. He still had the same feelings as me. And I imagine he thought the same thing of me. He said, boy, Jim changed. You know, here he is. You know, he was single. I was single-minded. I was uh, very political at the time, ambitious. And I wasn't as ambitious as ambitious at that time when I met. Uh, I met up with Brian again, but I was quite, I became much more social with the, the, especially with the ladies. So the, the, uh, I'm postulating, and you know, a lot of people postulate that you really never meet the same person twice, much like a stepping into a river, the old adage, you never step into the same river twice. People some people might say people don't change, but I would counter they do change. Some people change less, some people change more, but they're always changed by their experiences. Just think of it. When someone's born, humans, humans uh, on of all the living creatures on Earth, uh, they could you could probably point out a couple other ones that are similar, but they take the longest to uh, get independent of their their parents or parent, that the baby starts out with much like a, a new laptop or computer, like in the old days when they didn't preload the uh, programs on the computer. It had all this potential, but very little capability unless you purchased, I mean, it came with an operating program, and the operating program, I would equate it to your autonomic responses, meaning breathing, uh, heartbeat, brainwaves, eyesight, hearing, you have those. But the programs beyond, that run with it to give it capabilities as much uh, wasn't that great. And uh, from some of the readings that I've done, that the comparisons don't end there. Uh, there's estimated that human storage lies between 10 and 100 terabytes. Remember, one terabyte is one 1,000 gigabytes. And there's even speculation because that it's actually 2.5 petabytes. And a petabyte is 1,000 terabytes, which
which would be 1 million gigabytes. So 2.5 is 2.5 million gigabytes of storage. And, and I'm, I hesitate to call it memory, but uh, there's uh, about 85 billion neurons in the human brain. And there's uh, 0.2, I think they're saying, quadrillion connections that can possibly be made. And every time a new memory is made, a new pathway is, is given. So the way a baby comes about, you know, we know anecdotally what happens, how babies develop, how they uh, you know, acquire human language and things like that. And you think about the, and I'm only speaking probably to people that believe in that the humans are, have been around more than 6,000 years. If you go back 10,000 years ago, before written language that if you took because there was very little genetic change if you took someone and cleaned them up had a baby one way or another uh, you know a homo sapien from 10,000 years ago or a homo sapien born today would have a very relatively different would have very little different uh, visual cues that make them separate and from raising one and the other in those environments would make them more or less the same. So if someone was raised in uh, a hunter-gatherer society 10,000 years ago, let's say in central France or in uh, present-day Shanghai, other than the obvious visual cues, Let's just say they were adopted, right? You took them to, well, present day, let's keep it in France. You're regular, you're regular in uh, central France 10,000 years ago, central France today. Swap the babies, give them the same whatever current thing of the day, the hunter-gatherer society or education in today's world. They'd be virtually indiscernible if you swap those babies, just like if you swap the baby in uh, a maternity ward in a hospital. Whether that baby is swapped, well, not that there were maternity wards 10,000 years ago. I mean, you went into the hut and you took the baby, or you went into maternity, uh, you, let's say you're a tra time traveler, and you're able to steal a baby from maternity ward and drop it off in central France there in a, in a, in a settlement there. And besides the other things that go into making it pass, you know, immunizations and things like that in early childhood uh, diseases. If you raise them to like 20 years old, they'd be significantly different. They'd be significantly different besides language, writing, technology. And the, the, the process of learning itself, creating memories are as different today. But if you raised that baby from 10,000 years ago today, they would have the same, you wouldn't tell them any different that they were born 10,000 years ago. But if you took that same baby, let's say two same babies, and this is the nature versus nurture argument, and raised them in two households right next, uh, right in the same village in, in France with different experiences. Let's say the parents were neglectful and abusive in one household, and they're nurturing and uh, uh, affectionate in the other household, you swap those 
they would come out, uh, let's say you separate twins, they would come out significantly different. Significantly different. I know there are stories of triplets. There's the triplets that got separated at birth and they came together. But that could have been like most people behave a certain way in a family. And I was talking about extremes. One extreme is being the bad extreme, one it being the positive environment. I'm saying that experience, those experiences change that person. And experiences from regular people change them. And how I related to the uh, bar, incident, I had people come in, and I mentioned on a previous episode, come in. Um, they, they were in previously two years before we had a nice, I don't recall this, and this is memory. This is recall long-term memory and short-term memory. I, I didn't recall them. I did recall that a positive, a positive vibe from them. I was nice people and stuff like that. It was a couple during their late 30s, early 40s. And they were effusive with their praise. They were very friendly. They said they had a good time. But I imagine they're not remotely, they're, they're different. Not, they are different from the people that they were two years ago. I'm not saying they're better or worse. They're different from the things, the things they know now and the things they experienced just through life, like suffering. Suffering changes somebody. If someone could have been in a, a, a prison camp for a, a prisoner of war for a couple of years, that significantly changes people. People go to uh, traumatic uh, uh, circumstances through a serious accident, a serious illness, and you'll know that person has a life-changing event, a life-changing perspective. Just think of that, though. When we're talking about the amount of storage that someone has in their brain, and uh, you think, well, it, if there's that much storage in there, how come uh, a computer can beat a human? Well, computers have specialized access to memories and moves uh, that humans don't have. So um, a computer can remember 10 million and have readily access to those uh, moves depending on the situation of the move by its competitor. Where a human not only does it have to remember moves and play it out, it is remembering what it ate last Thursday, what uh, the wife or uh, uh, husband uh, wants for their birthday or remember the project they have to do for work. And there's a, a million things going on. So humans aren't as specialized as computers. So you can find a computer that's excellent on uh, Jeopardy. And it could beat uh, Ken, the guy, that, you know, the champion. But you can't get a computer to just walk into a barn and have a good time blah, 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 and do things like that. You know, it can answer questions. That's what it can do. Now, someday they might be able to do that when they become that. And I've made jokes about it in the past. But humans are, are different that way. And it's the expectation is that um, humans are adaptable and able to organize differently. They organize non-specifically as computers do more regimentedly. Okay. So if I remember my history facts, I remember um, when I learned, how I learned it, and I can place it in relation to these other things. 
see, I can I can think of a, a song by perhaps the Rolling Stones, and I'll think about the Reformation, like a sympathy for the devil. The song by Rolling Stones makes me think of Martin Luther's 99 Thesis. That's just my association. Uh, yes, you could teach a ho- you could teach a computer to remember that way, but that's not the way that computers remember. They don't associate that, and they don't prioritize memories. So the memory that a computer has that the amount of uh, petals that a daisy has is pretty much same priorities as um, remembering. Oh, we better be careful around this person. If we say these words, they'll set them off. You know. Humans have a special, um, have a unique, adaptable way of retrieving memories. And another thing that uh, we used to, I think that people, the expectation is that people that have great memories are super intelligent. Now, think of an autistic uh, kid that could uh, solve, you know, that remembers exactly where you live or remember the exact date it was and what happened on that date, blah, 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 and all the history things. But then you can ask the person that says, well, um, how would you greet somebody if you went to uh, the birthday party and this was happening, this music was playing, they were playing pin to tail on the donkey. This kid could be completely clueless, putting into a social social situation or even pretty much adapting inf- other information. It says, well, Here's a football game going on. When there's, it's fourth down. There's uh, five yards to go. What should they do? And the kid has no clue what that means. It's not always applicable to all. Having a great memory is not applicable to problem solving. Getting that aha moment. So when I meet someone years later, my memory clicks in. I remember bits and pieces of it, unless something that really made it unique. There's a, there's um, a women I remember from years ago when I focused on when I was 14 years old, 13 years old. I'm talking 45 years ago, 44 years ago. I remember young girls that I had crushes on and stuff like that. I remember specifically. I don't remember. I can virtually remember nothing happened in classroom. I remember an eighth grade classroom reading the a story about a fox and a chicken. I think that was Le Renard and um, Lecoq or something like that. Or Le, I think it was just Le Renard. And I, I, I remember that I didn't know any of the French words. And I could remember them. I had a hard time conjugating the words. I had a hard time doing all this. But now as I get older, I am actually have no... I have, uh, I do have a difficulty, but I have no problem processing if I study um, conjug- conjugation for future tense, past, present tenses, um, possession, you know, and things like that. That's just, it's uh, called neuroplasticity in the way we remember things. And it may be that forgetfulness is a way that we prioritize the information that we need to have at the time. When when I when I see somebody that comes into the bar, everyone I don't remember if I haven't seen them for a while, I don't remember their names right away. 
but then I have to put it in context. I have to think about, wait, what the fuck? Oh, I remember. I remember this. Now, I always remember the name of the guy that comes in and said that outrageous statement about the woman down the bar. You know? I remember that guy. Or I remember the girl that threw a drink. Or I remember exactly what the girl looks like that smacked me in the face 28 years ago when she was um, at a bar after applying for a job at a place I worked. And then she tried to talk to me and then she got pissed off about not getting a job and then was picked up on the vibe directly that I really didn't want anything to do with her. And presto, she smacks me. I remember. I remember distinctly. I the future will be amazing. And that's all well and good. But what about today? You can feel the rush of a 400-horsepower Nissan Z. Or climb to new heights in the all-terrain Nissan Frontier. Light up the road in the all-electric Nissan Aria that feels like a sci-fi dream come true. The future will be great, but today is made for thrill. All you have to do is get in a Nissan and drive. 2023 Aria and Z not yet available for purchase. Expected availability is this spring for 2023 Z and this fall for 2023 Aria. I remember distinctly when I was in my early 20s when I was talking to a young girl in a bikini and how her she was uh, sitting next to a pool and she uh, how her skin was shiny with suntan lotion and how the, the uh, multicolored bikini top was and how skimpy it was. I remember that. But do I remember last week what I had for lunch? No. No, I can't. I can't. I, we, one day I may have had a roast beef sandwich. I'm pretty sure one day I had a roast beef sandwich. It's a specific day I don't. It depends on how important it was. So that led me to believe and say, well, you know, people, people do change. And I remember people when I was younger, the, uh, the guys I hung out with, uh, I, I'm not in touch with them as much anymore. So I have to really reflect on, uh, and, and I probably will run into them years later. And it's going to be interesting because 40 years, in a couple of years, it'll be 40 year high school anniversary. And uh, that that's a bellwether statement for how someone's going to react. You know, 40-year high school uh, reunion. Uh, but the other one that really gets me is the family reunions. When you see how, what happens to the, your cousins that you haven't seen that often. A brother and sister are hard to gauge that because they change incrementally over years, most times. My sister and I are diametrically opposed politically. She sees things, and I realize she has visceral, fearful res uh, responses to new information or new ideas. So that makes her conservative. And over the reading, I real I used to believe that conservative people were less creative and less likely to make connections uh, with new ideas and be able to incorporate it in their lives. And then I started thinking, maybe it's the way our brains are made up and how 
we're doing it. So I've met, and I come to this conclusion that there are super conservative people that are super intelligent. There are uh, very uninformed people of both ilk, liberal and conservative. But one of the main things I see as a difference is comes back to the basis on the definition of conservative versus liberal versus change and things are going to change no matter what things are going to change no matter what there's nothing uh, you can do to stop change now what kind of change is going to be that I we disagree on what that would be but um, some people say conservative the environment changes you can't do anything about it we go through periods of uh, warm years and cold years and right now we're in a period of heat and there's nothing we could do about it so don't affect my standard of living by changing from uh, fossil fuel burning vehicles and fossil fuel power to solar power and electric cars and, and you'll they build a um, a defense mechanism over the change because they say they, they accepted the change that change occurs. So they they do accept change occurs like aging. They understand age. People understand everyone ages. I think most people understand that. That you're going to age and you're not a 70-year-old man. It's not a 20-year-old man. But the idea that the things that happened 50 years ago are going to be the things that are going to happen now, meaning politically. That's the part that they want to keep the same. Meaning that's something that makes them comfortable. They're not innately, I believe, a lot of these uh, people that hold conservative views are not innately uh, racist or hateful. They're just the way, this is the way it was then, this is the way it's now, this is what I knew, what happened. This is, they, I knew what would happen when I interact with the person. The police show up, respect for authority. There's nothing wrong with respect for authority. But there also has to be a recognition when someone oversteps their bounds of authority, a mis, uh, misuse of power. So that those things are different. Now, uh, so... I think it's our visceral reaction to uh, things like there's more they they may show a hyper sensitivity to something that change meaning a, like uh, someone more conservative may have a, a bigger reaction at a, a horror house it's funny conservatives like to call liberals kind of pussies and stuff like that well I, I hate to call them more brave or less brave there is neither you have if that were the case that conservative people were tougher than liberal people, then obviously cons conservative counter-revolutions would have overpowered every liberal revolution that you would call, like uh, communist revolutions and stuff like that. And I have this feeling that there is, you can be conservatively communist. You can be conservative communist or conservative Democrat or conservative Republican, or you could be a liberal communist, a liberal 
Republican, liberal, Democrat, uh, a monarchist. I guess a monarchy would be someone that believed in a monarchy, believed in a monarchy and said, listen, we, we just need a monarch. There was a, one of my favorite books was, uh, a, a, I discovered almost 20 years ago, was Confederacy of Dunces by John Kennedy O'Toole. And the main character was a young man who rarely changed rarely changed he was he was it was uh, oddball character it takes place in 19 uh, early 1960s uh, New Orleans and he's a well-educated uh, homebody and he believes in a theocratic monarchy very conservative in his politics but very outrageous in his behavior and he uh, was fearful of change, tremendous fearful of change. He has his own routine. He would he would stay in his room. They never really out, out were saying, but he's masturbating in his room most of the time because there's tissues all over the place. And he has these uh, black and white binders, notebooks, where he writes his ideas down. On uh, it's kind of medieval Catholic philosophy on uh, life and politics and society. And he he may strum the lute all that stuff and he's severely obese uh, not that they go hand in hand it just happens to be Casey's character and he uh, had he was overly affectionate to his uh, dog who passed away years before because he has a picture of it I think he has a picture of his dog he talks about and uh, that that idea when I'm talking to someone nowadays, and this is as we're coming closer to the election, we're running to people and I run into my relatives I notice there um, I always wondered why would the note make America great again strike such a, a ardent note, like why why would you want to go backwards why, why would you ever want to go backwards like like the person would like I guess it would be like one of those rom-coms where you go back and be being a teenager and you get the like Peggy Sue got married or uh, the opportunity to change things for your 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 place in life like back to the future uh, but that that things were better they were different that's what they were they were they, things were different they weren't they weren't better or greater at the time, it could have been great, but if you brought back 1950 societies now, I I think in the end you'd have a problem with it because everyone everyone kind of changes. I mean, we I've accepted through history, um, I'm a believer in history and science, that during the Civil War, and here I am speaking as a person that's currently supporting our Democratic nominee for president. The Republican Abraham Lincoln and the Republicans in the U.S. in the Civil War were the party of emancipation. And the Democratic Party was more of a party of uh, acquiescence. They were ready to, they wanted to sign a peace treaty with the South. They would have, uh, you know, they would have uh, a large segment of the Democratic Party during the Civil War would have most likely have allowed for a uh, 
a settlement with the South that included the, uh, the, the, the allowance for the institution of slavery to survive. And I'm able to accept it. You know why? Because things changed. People changed it. In the 1950s, there were a lot of segregationists in the Democratic Party. And now, a days, the last of the uh, segregationists, and there were some old ones in the Senate and stuff like that. There were some old, old Democrats until the 90s. Until the 90s that were, when they were younger, they were uh, loosely affiliated with segregationists. And, and heavily, just uh, some, some maybe heavily, maybe associated with the KKK. And they were in the Democratic Party. But that has changed. Now, so, so being able to accept change, there has to be the, the middle ground. And, and eventually there will be. I uh, accepted uh, half-heartedly that Clinton had lost the election in 2016. I do believe that the country would have been better off if they had elected her. I don't know it would have been better off considering they may have been running criminal investigations against her and things like that, much like they did against Trump. But I believe, you know, yeah, I, I, we can get our arguments on it. There seems to be a lot of smoke coming out of the Trump from the Trump accusations, from the sexual assaults to the loans from Russia to not revealing your tax returns and things like that. But I do understand why people might want to defend someone. Now I do. I'm starting to more and more. I understand why someone might want, might want to side with Trump for several reasons. Because he shows a sign of he, he, uh, he supports me. He's, he's kind of like supporting me. That's what they're thinking right now. And in order to keep that up, they have to reject anything. They have to reject everything that would uh, show that he doesn't care about them. They can't, they can't accept that he's told Bob Woodward that he thought that the airborne virus was deadly and it was five times worse than the flu. They can't accept that he said it because then they couldn't accept him having the big um, rallies and not encouraging people to have masks. And the whole mask thing, like, that's a change thing. I don't, you know, having to change, that's part of the change. They don't want to, if you think about not wanting to change, having to wear a mask is such a big change. And that's got to hurt. It's got to hurt. It's got to hurt as much as uh, for them, and it hurts. It, I, I understand it hurts them, just as it hurt them. The certain person when they had a restaurant, let's say to a restaurant tour, and l- maybe they didn't. Uh, let's say they strongly agreed that African Americans should not dine with uh, Caucasians, and they believe for a reason, for some reason. And then when they said, well, you got to do it now or, you know, they're going to sue you. I mean, I mean, it took a while, probably. There's still places now, I'm sure you you that people don't want to serve them or they only want to serve certain kind. So, I mean, 
it's it's change, and it's fearful of it. You you're fearful of uh, the Charlottesville march where people say uh, uh, immigrants won't replace us, uh, Jews won't replace us. I don't know what they mean by that. Mean replace us, like on the top tier. Uh, you're already. Uh, l- let me tell you something though. If you're marching from a superior position, you believe you're you're superior, and you're marching with idiots with tiki torches to reassert your preeminence as a superior race. You've already displayed a sign of ignorance that you're not superior. Because someone who's superior, if you think about someone who's really, when you think of a superior status, let's say superior status, not, not a thing. Let's say um, they get angry, people angry at Beyonce and and and, and let's say J Lo and and A Rod and stuff like that. They may may hate them. They hate them. They hate those guys. They hate white people hate them because they have money, they have voices, and they just pisses them off. Well, the status they have is because of their money and because of their influence over a segment of society, which you do not have. You do not. If you don't have their money, then they have superior to that. They have. They're superior to you in influence. So, all the superiority you're able to display is the one that you do when you're marching that we can march better or we can organize a flotilla of boats that may or may not float so you're not really displaying that if you really want to display enter into a debate or a thoughtful conversation Uh, I did give my number here for people to call in but you know, unfortunately, on a podcast, you're not going to find people that will uh, validate their own uh, uncertainty because it's an, it's the antithesis to being that way. Now, the weakness of the liberal cause or the democratic cause is that we allow for different views. And uh, with the Me Too movement, we've had people where we've shot down our own icons. Uh, uh, you know, that the senator from Minnesota. You know, they chased him out. I mean, we, we, we don't, we're the first to shoot them down. Like, just, there's a meme on Facebook that says, um, the Epstein, if they d- keep on digging into the Epstein uh, thing, uh, it's uh, someone with a MAGA hat and with a Democrat hat, and they're standing together and they're saying, you hit this button, it triggers the investigation. But be- just remember, this investigation will reveal whether Trump or Clinton did, and the person's hitting the button. Because um, it's pretty much like... Uh, what that attorney said in that movie, JFK, Garrison. Now, this is my memory at work. Garrison said uh, about the investigation into Kennedy's assassination, assassination that um, let 
though though heavens may fall i think i'm paraphrasing this and i'm roughly paraphrasing follow this investigation though the heavens may fall meaning that you may, it's it's so destructive that we will bring down our own idols and uh we we're more accepting of that like you we won't once i i as a, a child i used to uh I have a nuanced understanding of the Kennedy legacy right now. I realize that um, the Kennedys uh, had did some things that were um, somewhat unfortunate, very unfortunate. You had Ted Kennedy with the Chappaquiddick, uh, uh, John with his uh, misogyny, the way he treated women. And it could have been, I mean, it could have been in the way he treated, uh, in the way it was um, politically motivated. And his, um, the drugs administered to him. But I have to, uh, I have to accept that. I don't have to lionize people. I can accept them for being imperfect. And uh, being, and I can see them as a, a tool for progress. Just like, uh, Johnson afterwards. Johnson was a big proponent of the Vietnam War and stuff like that. He actually increased uh, increased our presence in, in Vietnam. But he also was the creator of the Great Society movement and moved and moved ahead strongly with civil rights. He was a, he was a white guy from Texas, and he was surrounded by people that could not give a fig a fuck about whether someone could go to the same school or have the right to, you know, have the equal access to voting or capital or anything like that. So the thing is about being liberal and conservative is that we accept and see clearly the failings of the people we put forward and uh, realize that, you know, it's not going to be perfect. If you think about it, there's nobody perfect. There is nobody perfect. And um, you, we have religious, we have religious leaders that preach uh, discrimination and hate and violence. There was a preacher on there suggesting that if Joe Biden wins, that maybe people should arm themselves. Really? Really, it was that bad under Obama. The big thing that he did was the affordable health care. Come on. And you know, look into your heart. Gay marriage is going to happen. You know gay marriage is going to happen. It's going to be more accepting. And you're going to accept it too. You're accepting our party. There's gay people in the Republican Party right now. Tons of them. They had a group called the Log, Log Cabin Republicans. Which... I really never understood the reason why they took the log cabin Republicans. I guess because they're trying to incorporate Lincoln and Lincoln was Lincoln was an emancipator and things like that. And that that's probably what he's saying. But I don't think gay people necessarily like log cabins more so than straight people. Um, so you got to be able to accept that. You can't go and say he's, you have to worship this person and things like that. You have to see the truth behind it. Um, you have to see the truth, and you can still you can see, still see the truth behind it. Except these are your, 
you know, if you if you do believe that it's a woman doesn't have the right to choice, that's all right. That's all right for you to believe that. I believe, it may be incorrect, but to think that all Mexicans, they're sending Mexico, Mexico sending rapists and, and murderers across the border. Right now, Mexicans are sending firefighters uh, to California and the Northwest in order to fight the uh, wildfires. Um, we've had uh, countries that were our enemies send us aid after Katrina, or try to send us aid after Katrina and after uh, some hurricanes and things like that. It's just, yeah, maybe it's a PR mood and stuff like that, but people do it. It's just what happens. And, uh, you know, what's the difference between someone doing something as a PR mood and not? It, it depends on what the tension is behind it, right? So, Think about what you're doing. Think before we, I, I want to get back to the to the point. Um, don't automatically think that someone because they disagree with you, they don't know everything, uh, all the points. Like I do understand. I do understand the points of why people want to reduce uh, when when there is unchecked um, uh, illegal immigration. There will be, yes, there will be criminals that come in, right? But there are criminals here already. But I think it far out, the, the criminals far are outweighed by the hardworking people that come in here. And eventually, the children of those immigrants will be people that will be in law enforcement, will be people who are working in health care, eventually be people that are teachers and things like that. And we just have that stuff. We have homegrown hate and and violence here in the United States. People born here are much more, if they do, if you look at the uh, per capita uh, immigrant crimes versus per capita native born crimes, they're much higher. People say, well, what if we don't allow immigrants in? We just wouldn't have those criminals. Those exact criminals will be here. That would, particular crime would not occur. Yes, maybe not. That particular crime committed by the one person that got in, yes, they wouldn't have. Or the hundred people that got in. I almost said a million, but I'm saying a hundred people. Uh, but uh, what would be the byproducts on there not having? It could be a slow-growing economy, uh, entry-level jobs or agriculture jobs not being taken. And it caused more hardship in the end and more poverty in areas that, you know, causing rising prices in produce and things like that, causing people to be malnourished in the inner cities and, or in, in rural areas of the United States, and then, you know, creating a hardship where crime flourishes again. There has to be a solution for it, but it's not always the, it's not always the easy solution. And, the, you know, to, to have one solution is, is giving up on the possibility of change. And change can occur, and you know we we can resist bad change, right? What's real bad change? Well, real bad change is you know a five degree increase in the average temperature and a total melting of the ice caps. So, in order, if there's a possibility of alleviating that, why wouldn't you consider it or just resist? Well, that doesn't have anything to do with it. It's just happening anyway. It's just happening anyway. It's like if someone came up similar and say, well, someone, every so often, someone just comes up and starts beating you with a baseball bat. 
there's nothing you could do about it. Oh, you know what? Have a gun. Someone to have it. Oh, I don't have my gun with me. Oh, I didn't have my gun out. The guy hit me with the bat first, and I, oh, I didn't have my gun ready. Or we can say, why? We can ask, why is the person coming over and hitting you with a bat? Not that you encourage it. What's wrong with that? Oh, he's mentally ill. Why is he he's taken care of? Oh, because there's no money put, being put into mental health. And the crazy person sitting on the street homeless, and they got themselves a bat and decided to hit this other person over the head with it. So that there's just not always the easy solutions. So change occurs. Change is going to happen. And uh, I thank you for listening. Share this episode with your friends. Uh, follow us on Facebook. We'll be back. And until then, uh, have a drink on me and uh, take care. Bye. Let's play a little music.